As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club. I'm Bill Orem, joined by Anthony Slater and Jovan Buha, talking Lakers as always. And guys, I... I don't know how to put this in a way that isn't going to sound like a doomsday sort of report, but sort of the worst case scenario has happened. This thing that we talked about from the beginning of the year, the only thing that could derail the Lakers, you know, would be an injury to either Anthony Davis or LeBron James. We already had Anthony Davis out with this, this calf injury, and now they don't have either of them uh, due to injury. How concerned should Laker fans be as they go into the unknown for an indetermined, undetermined amount of time uh, without either LeBron or Anthony Davis. Slater, go first. Yeah, um, I think not that concerned in general uh, with... If they could just avoid the play-in, I think they're fine. Like That, to me, is like the one thing I'm watching. If they just don't drop to seven, now maybe we can standings discuss and what we think is going to happen. And I do think they'll tread water a bit, a little bit better than they look like they they have been. They look a little bit shell shocked the last couple of games. Um, but if they're the six seed, but Davis and LeBron James are ready for a thirty-five minute per night load from playoff game one on, I'm picking them to win the title. If if they're not, if they're shakier, if they're easing back in, if Davis is on some type of like minutes restriction, or there's just a concern that a tweak here or there, and and one of them's out again, like yeah, then all bets are off. I mean, I'm picking somebody else in the West, but I I remember in March of one of the Warriors dynasty seasons, literally every single one of the Warriors four All Stars were out. And they were playing very poorly. I think they went like three and eight or something over an eleven game stretch. Didn't matter. Once April fifteenth, whatever came, and now this year it's like what? Like when did the playoffs start? March or maybe May fifteenth? May sixteenth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, May sixteenth. There's so much time before then. And high angle sprain is painful, but LeBron's gonna be back way before that. Davis, I mean, I want to get a sense of you guys, like where you're, like when when can Davis maybe come back? But in general. I think both of them will probably be back in time to ramp up for the playoffs and make sure they escape the play-in. And that's all that matters to me, escape the play-in. You don't think it is detrimental to their title hopes if they have to come in as the sixth seed and their path to the playoffs starts looking like, let's say they're the five seed and it's you know the, the Nuggets 
Jazz and Clippers in succession just to get to the finals. That's not detrimental. It's it's the same as if they had to play the eight seed Warriors and you know and and, and onward in normal time. You know they're gonna have to play two out of three rounds against good teams anyways right i mean just you might have reversed the order but you're, they're gonna have to you know maybe they have to play the jazz earlier where it would have been in the west finals well you're still gonna have to get by the jazz um you know clippers we'll see i don't know where how that's all gonna get hashed out like i think jazz pretty pretty securely i feel like it'll be one but like phoenix is thrown in that mix and at this point phoenix might be the two to me just get six or above and go win game one in whatever city you got to win it in. And then you got home court back in whatever series. And I don't know. I trust LeBron. I, you know, what did he come out of the four seed in Cleveland one year? And it's no, I mean, to answer your question. Yeah. I mean, it does make the challenge a little bit harder. I'm still just not picking against them. You know, this is just the challenge of this season. Um, so I guess to answer your question, yes, it will be a little bit harder, but I don't think I'm not ready to, like say title hopes or dash because LeBron's missing a month right now. In principle, I, I agree with Slater, but I do think the concern for me is just the uncertainty and the unknown with everything, right? Where um, we, we think LeBron is going to be out for at, you know at least a few weeks, but we don't know the, the lingering effects of the high ankle sprain and um, just kind of the, the accumulation of the wear and tear that, he's had throughout his career and, and you know we have seen uh you know obviously not with lebron but we have seen older guys you know get injured and then never really be the same and i'm not implying that that's going to be the case with lebron but i do think that you know kind of asking him to re- return um you know within a few weeks and then go back to that kind of ramp up and, and just kind of the workload that he was having before i think that might be slightly uh you know unrealistic and then with AD, we, we still don't know. Like, I I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, but his reevaluation is supposed to be on Friday. You know, that's what we discussed yesterday. Um, but I feel like that's just going to be another, oh, he's going to be back in another week or two or, or you know, uh, reevaluated rather in, in another week or two. So I just, for, for me, it's, if we had concrete timelines of when AD and LeBron were going to be back, I would feel a little bit better then uh, th- then maybe kind of that moderate concern level. But I think the other thing is I'm more pessimistic on you on the current state of the team. Uh, like I-, I think that right now this version of-, of who's available is like a bottom five team in the league, you know, a bottom three team in the league. Like this is, I, I think, one of the wor- worst teams in the league, you know, taking these two guys off. And, you know, that- that's not to really take a shot at the supporting cast, but it's just, you know, Kyle Kuzma said it last night. Like we were built to be around LeBron and AD. Like we are all pieces that are supposed to fit around those two guys. You take them away and this team doesn't really have an identity. And if your offensive option, you know, your number one offensive option is Dennis Schroeder or, or Montrez Harrell, like you're a lottery team. So I, I do think that, you know, maybe they'll beat Cleveland. Maybe they'll beat Orlando. Maybe they'll beat Sacramento. Uh, they, they got a few of those teams in, in the next few That's games. That's all you got to do, though. But yeah, but look at that seven-game road trip, right? That road trip is brutal. You got Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, the Clippers, even Charlotte and New York. At the beginning of the season, we would have said those are probably walkover games. Like, those aren't walkovers anymore. Like, they could lose both of those games. So I just got this question last night on, on, on the post-game pod where, where someone asked me, what's their record over the next 11 games? 
I think it's a range of two, uh, two and nine to five and six. I don't see them going better than five and six. And you go five and six, you could be the seven or eight seed by the time LeBron and AD come back. No doubt. And then, then if you're two and nine, like, I mean, like you're making life very difficult on yourself. Yes. But let's say they're the seven or the eight at the end of the season, which I don't think they will, because I think those two will come back in enough time to like, hey, let's let's get on a roll. And like. You know, the Spurs right now are 22 and 18. Like, the Spurs are not just going to be, like, dominant the rest of the season. I actually think they're going to take a little bit of a tumble. Um, You know, we'll see with Portland. Like, by the time they get back, I think they will be in that 5, 6, 7, 8 mix and and in danger of dropping into the play-in. But I also think that they'll know that and try to fight their way out of it, number one. Number two, let's say, we're you know, they end up eight and go into the play-in. And, man, that's going to be a lot of drama to watch that game in. That is not a risk that you want from a LeBron James team, like a, a one-and-done or, a, you know, have to win two out of three. I, I can't remember exactly how it's set up, you know, the difference of your seven and ten, basically. But I'm picking them in those playing games, and then if they get in – imagine if you're the – you know who I'd be, like, more concerned about if you're, like, the Utah Jazz, and you're like, are we going to maybe get the Lakers 1-8 right now? And that – could be really bad for some of the teams up top now it does make the path much more thornier for the lakers but that's just what it is at this point i don't know my point of view on this my perspective on this is i was already feeling like the lakers were in serious at serious risk of running out of gas in this season and i i guess i haven't yet been able to get a feel for whether or not this is going to help that or if it's going to make it worse because lebron lebron is getting a rest like one you know whether it's a good rest or not lebron is getting time off the court which is sort of what a lot of people kind of expected this year, where it was he was going to sit out games or he would, you know, kind of ease into the season, and that didn't happen. And this wasn't necessarily an injury born out of being overworked necessarily. I mean, somebody fell into his leg. I mean, that's kind of unavoidable. But I do, I do feel like this Lakers team already was sort of going to maybe run out of gas by the time they got into the playoffs because of how much basketball they have been playing. And Maybe that won't be true for LeBron, and maybe that's all you need. But Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morris, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, you know, those are guys who've just been going nonstop. Does this hurt them in some ways? I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I what this does to the Lakers as as a title favorite to me. I agree that at full strength, I would pick them in any series. But it's not just you know, oh, they're healthy now, they go play. I mean, there's just a much bigger context to consider here. Yeah, I don't think a month off for LeBron James is bad though you know for his brain now do you want him to have a month off healing a high ankle sprain no that's are painful and they take a while to heal but eh, you know i think the role players can shoulder a load and and pressure's off a little bit you know like sometimes getting out of the spotlight and and is is not the worst thing ever the one thing is what's i think you guys I don't know, you, you guys would have a better opinion on it than me, but like it does seem like this is not necessarily a great situation for Vogel right now, where he's not an offensive coach, where I do think you could win, you could pile together some wins right now if you just went like heavy offense, pick and roll, Schroeder, Harrell, like, you know, leaned into that and like came up with some creative offensive concepts, win maybe some shootouts, like just, just play a completely different style for the next month. But the reality is Vogel's defensive minded. He likes, you know, regular season habits that transfer to the playoffs. And that doesn't fit this current version of the team without LeBron and Davis. 
it's right to probably want to still have those habits long term, but that may hurt them over the next month. I think. I think Frank would point to the fact that he has some really offensive minded coaches, and starting with 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 Jason Kidd. And so I, you know, I don't know if that, and that's a good question for Frank that maybe we should ask. But how this maybe changes Jason Kidd's influence on what the Lakers are doing, because you know he has kind of been the offensive guru over these last two seasons. And the team has talked about it, right? Like De- Dennis said it after the, the Phoenix game that they got to play with more pace, they got to get out in transition, they, they got to shoot more threes. Uh, Ku said it last night that they got to change their style, you know, without LeBron and AD. And further, you know, to their credit, they, they actually did that last night. Um, you know, they, they shot uh, 18 of 37 on threes, which them taking 37 threes is like, you know, r- r- ring the bells. It, it's a miracle that they, they took that many. Um, but it was the the offense inside the arc and then also the defense where, you know, right now, I think until they get Mark and AD back, they're just so small. Like the entire rotation is six nine and below, and and you know your your biggest guy is probably Markeith Morris, who is you know solid, but he's not really a rim protector. He, he's not a rim deterrent. So, I mean that that's what's really stood out to me is, um, I mean Phoenix and New Orleans are, are slightly bigger teams, right? You know, uh, with, with Aiton and uh, with, with Adams and Zion, but those two teams lived at the rim uh, against the Lakers, and I, I think. That's kind of what one of the ancillary concerns here is it's not just the offense where it's it's been a chore to generate high percentage looks and um, you know they can run a lot of Dennis Trez pick and roll but you know even that becomes a little predictable at some point um, but it's just been the defense as well where uh, you know they're so small and and not in the right ways that I just think you know teams have been crashing the offensive glass uh, I think. They've given up now 50 plus points in the paint in back to back games. And it's just that that to me is is kind of the, the temporary thing where until Mark gets back, which, you know, seems like it might be at least a couple more games. Until Andre Drummond they're so small. Uh, playing 30 minutes. Or, or, yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, listen, like, is Marcus all going to play for the Lakers again? I mean, isn't that isn't it a possibility that he won't? I mean, if the Lakers, depending on what the Lakers do at the deadline or with on the buyout market, if they do bring in Andre Drummond, are you are you keeping Marcus all? What do you do with Marcus Saul if you bring in Andre Drummond? Like, I'm not sure that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think this is what is going to happen, but I can't guarantee that we're going to see Marcus Saul in the Lakers uniform again. I just wrote about that yesterday. You know, I, I kind of looked at uh, the, the the trade and buyout market a little bit, and, and I said, if they get Andre Drummond, what do you do with Marcus Saul and, and and I think Montrezl Harrell? Like, is it a? You got to assume you know Drummond's going to start. And he's going to play 28 to 32 minutes, depending on the night. And what do you do with those other 20 minutes? Is it Montrezl Harrell? Is Mark now going from starter to third string center? Is it a matchup by matchup thing? And, um, you know, some matchups you go Mark, some you go Trez. Like, I don't know how you approach that. And to me, I I don't see Mark or Trez being okay with being a third string center on this team. You know, I, I think both guys are proud um, I think if you see some, <laughs> you see some of Mark's comments, like he, he, any, anytime we talk about him aging or his decline or anything, like he kind of pushes back against that and says he's playing his role in this team. And with Trez, obviously as a six man of the year, uh, and as a guy who's kind of accepted coming off the bench, like he, I don't see him sort of sliding over to, to that, you know, sort of out of the rotation role. So I, I just don't, 
you know, unless they trade one of those guys, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with, uh, with with Drummond and that whole situation. But if you have Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis, wouldn't you feel better about Montrez Harrell's defensive shortcomings if you have those guys to sort of protect him? Drummond's, I think, a little overrated defensively. Gasol's I agree a better with you. defender. Gasol's a better defender. And it's particularly in a playoff setting. Mm. Drummond might have like a higher raw block total, but... I don't know. Like, I would feel much more comfortable heading into a series playing like a pick and roll heavy guard with Marcus Ole, like in smarter drop coverage than Drummond, who yeah doesn't have much of a playoff history. And, and I mean, he's kind of been stats hungry. Now, I think Drummond does help them, too, but to me, Drummond helps him a lot more on the glass and offensively. Defensively, he's. I, I, I think a front line of Montrose Harrell and Andre Drummond on the court at the same time is not a good defensive front court. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think the Drummond thing is... Honestly, part, partially an offensive thing. Um, I, I, and I know he's shooting a career low uh, on two-pointers this season, and, and people have been bringing that up on, on Twitter uh, a lot. But I, I think just offensively, you know, he, he, he does kind of bridge the gap, I, I think, between Mark and Trez, where Mark has been an offensive disaster this season. Um, you know, aside from his passing, you know, just his lack of shooting. And um, if you just look at a bunch of offensive metrics, Mark has been a... a you know, gigantic negative on that end, but defensively he's been really, really good. Even if it isn't always the prettiest thing to watch. Uh, and then with, with Trez, it's kind of the opposite where obviously offensively uh, he has a lot of value as a post-up guy, role guy, a finisher, offensive rebounder, uh, but defensively it's kind of a, a mixed bag. So I, I do think Drummond kind of has a little bit of the strengths of both guys where he's better defensively than Trez uh, and, and probably, I guess, close to as good, if not better, offensively. Uh, so so it is, I think, kind of that marriage of, of just merging those two together um, into one player. But yeah, I mean, I, I think defensively, his metrics are good. But I think if you watch the film, it, it, he's not as good. I, I think Mark is a better defender. Uh, but, but, you know, Drummond is one of the, the best rebounders of all time. And he is a underrated passer. Uh, he, he can finish. And I think seeing him in a winning situation, you know, like we look at a guy like a JaVale McGee and what he was able to do with the Warriors and, and with the Lakers, I think Andre Drummond is like a, you know, supercharged version of that, right? Like he, he can do a lot of those things, uh, but he's done it in, you know, frankly, losing situations in, in lottery teams in uh, Detroit and Cleveland and, and him going to a winning situation, playing with AD, playing with LeBron. I think you'll see the best version of him. Is there anyone else on the trade market you guys see the Lakers potentially getting involved in? Woj from ESPN just said that the Lakers could be in on Kyle Lowry. Um, is there a bigger deal that you guys see making sense? You, you know, the, we've we've talked about them not. We've talked Lowry since Woj mentioned it. 
What's that's a lot of salary to get up to. It's not like the Lakers don't have the salary to get up to. It's just they would just have to like they would just have to make some pretty big personnel concessions. You know, you can trade um, KCP. You can trade Montrez Harrell, and like all of a sudden, you're up around twenty one million dollars pretty quick. What else would it take to get to get there with with Lowry? How much more do you need? How at risk is Harrell of getting traded? Do you guys think? I think if you just look at their cap sheet, the two guys that they almost would have to include in any mid to large size trade are KCP and Trez. I guess technically Dennis, but I think unless they're getting back a point guard, which I guess Lowry would, would qualify, um, and maybe they build some type of, of package around Dennis for Lowry. If you're not getting back a point guard, I, I don't think you can afford to trade Dennis. And obviously they, they acquired him, I, I think, w- with hopes of re-signing him or extending him by the summer. So I think he, he's kind of part of their long-term vision. But yeah, I mean, if you just look at the books, it has to be, there is a big gap where it's, you know, LeBron, AD, Dennis, KCP, Kuz, and Trez. And then I guess you could throw in Kuz, but he's got a poison pill contract. I think the number goes up if he gets traded. So I think that's something to to kind of be like, I don't know if teams are going to be looking to, to acquire that. So I think it's probably Trez or KCP, but I think the elephant in the room is both guys are clutch guys. And you know, we, we have not seen this team trade a clutch player before. Uh, they, they have five clutch players on the roster. And this is something I was talking about last night. Like, I think clutch gets a lot of attention because of obviously LeBron and, and just kind of the profile of the agency. Like, it's not unusual to see a team, you know, kind of protect the role players on the team if that role player shares an agent. Um, you know, with the star of the team. In the Lakers case, obviously there's five guys. So it's it's basically a third of the roster. Uh, but it is interesting to me to, to kind of see, you know, are the Lakers willing to pull the trigger on trading a clutch guy? Uh, because that's just something they haven't done before. And you'd have to think there, there would have to be some type of blessing there um, from, from clutch on trading a KCP or a Trez. Well, and also, I mean, it's not just getting the number right. You know, there has to be some incentive for, you know, a team like for Toronto to trade um, Kyle Lowry. They have to be getting something that they think they can build around also. And so the fact that Montrez Harrell has a player option and KCP is not necessarily a guy you're building around, um, they're going to be looking for assets. And all the Lakers have in terms of assets are you know a couple second round picks, I guess they're 2027 20, first, and Taylor Horton Tucker. So are they getting anything done for a you know a starting caliber player without including Taylor Horton Tucker? And is that is and is that wise? Yeah. Um I personally think they should wait for the buyout get Drummond, trust LeBron and AD coming back and being healthy. Because the reality is, like, if LeBron and Anthony Davis aren't right, it doesn't matter what they do at the deadline. They're not winning the title. Like, that's the crux of their season there. So I wouldn't waste – I mean, unless you just don't think Taylor Horton Tucker's resigning in the offseason, if you've, like, pretty much committed to this idea that, like, he's just going to be too big a a payday, I I wouldn't mortgage that asset. Uh, for him, and then as far as Lowry goes, uh, from the rumblings are Kyle Lowry basically wants a contract extension wherever he goes because that's you know part of the reason um, he he's trying to decide in Toronto does he want to stay there and, and get his last big payday or m- the idea would be if he gets traded to Miami or somewhere else it's kind of like that Iguodala thing where he gets there and then boom it's announced two years you know fifty million dollar extension or something like that so. I think if if the Lakers are involved in those talks, that would probably be a Schroeder thing, right? It would be them saying, Dennis Schroeder's free agency, we're not sure about. They'd rather have Lowry in the Schroeder spot. And it would be Lowry coming in and and taking up that Schroeder money. So um, 
I'm not sure that's a good idea either, but I would assume he would have to be involved in those talks. Yeah. I mean, I think you can view Dennis as an asset too. Like I, I do think that their, their top two assets right now are THT and that 2027 first. But I think depending on how you view Dennis, you can view him. I mean, he's 27 and I think he showed this year he is at, uh, you know, not a high level starting point guard, but, but I think a solid starting point guard, right? Like he he's, uh, I think defensively he's impressed this season. Um, he's much better defensively than I thought. Offensively, you know, he, he is capable of getting you 15, 18 points a night, you know, four, five, six assists. So, like, he, he's solid. He, he's a, a, a two way, you know, decent starter. Um, and just at 27, like, I think that has some value uh, depending on the contract, uh, you know, number and, and length and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I, I think for the Lakers, um, and I just wrote this story, it should be coming up uh, soon on the athletic. Like, I think they should be op- opportunistic buyers, and I think that's just a, a good frame to have. Where if you know if, if you can improve, I think you should do it. You know, I, I think a lot of times teams play things too conservatively and don't want to tweak you know the, the rotation or, or don't want to tweak the on court chemistry or continuity. And like, I think for the Lakers, you know, with the way things have changed, where they're probably going to be a lower seed than than we thought. Uh, you know, the, the, there's kind of the uncertainty with, with the health. And then I think the rest of the league looks better than I, I think we had thought entering the season. Like, I think you might need that variance. You, you might need some new blood if, it, if it's possible to improve, you know, even just on the margins. So um, I think most likely they're, they're probably just going to stand pat and, and add a buyout guy. But I'm personally not opposed to making a trade, even if it's a little bit of a gamble, uh, if there is some, I guess, payout at the end of it. I think it's a really good point. I just don't know what you're going to be able to do without involving him. And like, and, and if and if that's the case, and if you decide that you are not you're not comfortable um, coming off of him, then then so be it. And you've kind of picked your path. But I do think Jovan makes a good point. I mean, there is kind of a, I think there is a risk of stagnation or, or whatever you want to call it with this team, and kind of particularly with the obstacles you know the organization has encountered over the last year and a half. I just think there might be some like just overall mental and emotional fatigue and maybe some new blood at this stage in the season when you are dealing with injuries might end up being you know a positive and something that was that, supposed you know, you to be Schroeder and Harold though right Schroeder Harold Gasol like they actually I thought facelifted a title team more than most title teams do like well 100 percent. The there's no question there's no question about that and I think they have but you're also talking about this has been a grueling year. I mean, it's been a grueling year for everyone. I'm not saying it hasn't been. The Lakers now are kind of getting ground into the in, into dust a little bit with what they have to try to do without LeBron and AD. And bringing in somebody who hasn't sort of endured this might end up being, you know, a, just a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Anything else that you're monitoring? I mean, I guess if you're the Lakers, you're looking at your West competitors this week. You know, how do they reform? I think the Clippers ideally want to take a big swing obviously i think mark stein reported they were trying to get in on the lonzo sweepstakes they just don't have assets to in my opinion to to get something like that done phoenix doesn't seem like they're super active the jazz are to me the jazz seem like they're not gonna do anything big denver's a team i'm watching you know obviously the the west finalist from last year to me they're the one that probably should make attempt to make a bigger swing i don't know if one's there i don't know if they're willing to put porter on the table but i think 
that more than maybe what the Lakers do this week is something that needs to be monitored. Like, does anyone take a step forward roster wise? Well, Denver's interesting because they've shown that they have a you know contender level core. Right. In consecutive years, they were the one seed in the West and then made the conference finals. And so obviously there was something kind of holding them back. And then this year, you know, they've 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 stumbled out of the gates and they are, you know, not in the seeding position that they might have expected to be in. But you have a possible MVP in Jokic. It's kind of the ultimate go for it time for for Denver. And that doesn't come along very often in Denver. So I would to your point, I, I would really expect Denver to be maybe the most aggressive contending team in the West this week. But I don't know what that is. But I mean, it's like if it's a matter of like, can you add another all-star caliber player, but it's going to cost you Michael Porter Jr. I'm much more willing to do it if I'm Denver than than if I'm even the Lakers trying to contemplating trading Taylor Horton Tucker. Because if you're Denver, there's there's kind of been a natural ceiling you've been heading hitting your head on, and you need to figure out how what you need to do to break through that. The Lakers don't have a ceiling. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, and they're also just that's one main thing about this deadline is there doesn't seem to be just like the big fish. Bradley Beal just it's not available in Washington. And if we're biggest names we're talking about are like Kyle Lowry, like Victor Oladipo, who is not the all-star version of Victor Oladipo. He's a, he's a much lesser version right now. Nobody out there. It seems like is swing the title level. Now Lowry, you know, maybe if Lowry gets in the correct Eastern conference spot, that swings the Eastern conference, right? If he's in Philly or Miami, but to me, I don't think there's anything out there that, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe something will shock us in the next 36 hours, but something that'll make you go, whoa, like the title favorite has emerged. Maybe that was already happening with James Harden in Brooklyn, to be honest. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how I view the the landscape. I think the Aaron Gordon thing is interesting. I mean, I think that's a really interesting player who could be on the move. I know he's not, you know, um, you know, going to be a first team all NBA player, but I mean, he's, you know, he, like he would make, he, to me, he makes Denver better. That would be the move that I think they could make that would, would, would really get my attention. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of the actions out of the East, though. Most of it. Boston's a big player. Miami, Philly. And that could matter to the Lakers, but it just doesn't, you know. They got to get there first. Less urgent. Yeah, for sure. We're going to pop out of here in just a second, but I just wanted to ask, you know, for like one big thing that you might, you guys might be watching um, over the next however many weeks without LeBron and AD, you know, these games are if we're being honest, are going to be a little tough to watch for the Lakers, for Lakers fans. Is there something that you would give Lakers fans, like basically homework to watch that, that, that would be useful for later on in the season or that can make it maybe a little bit more bearable to watch their team uh, struggle a little bit? Jovan should take this one. I'll just say basketball's fun. A little, <laughs> little NBA drama's fun watching a you know mid-level, I guess, and Jovan is probably correct on this, a lottery-level team, a lower lottery-level team try to – grapple to wins all right i'll give them look for that cleveland orlando they play those teams twice in a row that's that's the big pocket of the schedule coming up you got to gather a couple wins and that seems to be where they can get them but what if they can't <laughs> like i mean like why should laker fans not like drown themselves in a vat of whiskey if they can't win those games oh you know what else they can do i mean i shouldn't be saying this on a podcast Check out for a couple of weeks, you know, like there's plenty of high level Lakers basketball to come over the next few months, but just, just make sure you, you listen to this podcast. Every yeah. Weekend. I was going to we'll, say, we'll give I, you I the updates. <laughs> Don't watch the games, but, 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 but get all your information from the athletic and our podcast. <laughs> um, I think for me, I, I guess it's Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, and I think to a lesser extent, Dennis Schroeder uh, of just seeing how those two guys function in, in bigger roles. And, and sort of projecting out of, um, you know, I, I think if, if you look at 
both those guys being free agents this offseason and the Lakers, if they do resign them, likely resigning them to three or four year deals. Um, you know, I'm kind of looking at the future and I think this LeBron run is going to end at some point. I don't feel confident <laughs> in projecting when that is. But if 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 we just say he's going to retire at some point and not necessarily decline, um, you know, you, you got to look two, three, four years out and. Um, I think the Lakers have some important decisions to make this offseason. And frankly, in the next 24 hours with the trade deadline, and I think those two are intrinsically you know, linked to an extent. Um, but if, you know, how do they view Dennis Schroeder long term? How do they view THT long term? Uh, and, and, you know, those two guys, theoretically, if you're resigning them, are going to be the, the ball handlers and playmakers and shot creators in the post LeBron era, you know, on the perimeter alongside AD. So um, I do think that if they go on like a 10 game losing streak, uh, you know, THC's 20. So I don't think you necessarily hold that against him. But if Dennis really struggles to, you know, manufacture a, a competent offense uh, without LeBron and even maybe AD comes back and they still struggle with AD back and no LeBron, like, then that's, I think, something that you, you kind of factor in, in the Dennis Ledger of how does he fit long term? Uh, be, because if he can't really do that, you know, you might get a preview, honestly. If, if AD comes back in the next week or two, right, you, you're going to have a couple weeks there where you potentially see this core without LeBron and, and what that would look like. And, and of course, they'll have some more cap space and they'll, they'll be able to maybe add another star or something. But just kind of seeing over the next few years what this could look like. And if it's bad, uh, even with AD back, like I, I do think there's some pause there for for the long term implications of of Dennis and or THT, you know, with, with this roster. So I I think that is something I'm going to be monitoring. Um, I, I'm but I'm with you guys. Like I think it's going to be ugly. Uh, I, I'm honestly closer to the two and nine range than the five and six range. But um, you know, we'll see if they prove me wrong. Yeah, I I think this is like there's going to be a lot of interested front office executives watching Taylor Horton Tucker the next few weeks, right? Because when we talk about setting his market this summer, a lot of the teams that might be interested in, in you know, giving throwing a chunk of change at him will want to bring him are presumably going to be teams that would bring him into an environment like he's playing on over the next 10 games or so. And it's like he's about to show, can he be, you know, a heavier usage winning pl- player? Um, and in the odd scenario that it is in some ways Taylor Horton Tucker emerging well over the next 10 games leading them to a few wins you know having big scoring nights maybe some playmaking nights might make him harder to keep come the summer because I do think this subsection of tape will be very valuable to execs across the league when they set his market this summer. Well, that's definitely food for thought and something maybe for, for Lakers fans to worry about because they don't have anything to worry about right now. So thank you for bringing that to the table. Uh, Anthony Slater at uh, Anthony V Slater on Twitter, direct all. Well, then maybe mail. if the Lakers there, struggle, they can go. Yes. The, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker's not getting the big payday. They can, they can bring him back on the cheap. Maybe I'm helping. Taylor Horton Tucker stinks. We're the team that can give him too much money. Oh, man. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess there's always a balance to all. <laughs> so true. In all things, there is a balance. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we're going to jump off here and uh, let you guys get uh, going with your day. But really appreciate the time and the insight. Uh, for Anthony Slater and Jovan Buha, I'm Bill Oram. Thank you for listening to the Forum Club. Continue to check out The Athletic on a daily basis. And we will be back next week to talk more Lakers basketball. Thanks for listening.